Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Now, more often than not, we stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com. This is the 93rd episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Now, coming up in just a minute, we'll answer the question, why is Tuesday's live stream so late that it's Wednesday? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, Go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. If you would like to support my campaign for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas, go to our new website, electdocwashburn.com. And who knows? Hope springs eternal. By the time you hear this podcast, after the fact, we might even have a donate button on there that works. So, why am I more than 12 hours late doing this live stream? Well, I'll tell you. There was a wonderful group of people in Hot Springs, the 28th Amendment folks, who wanted me to come speak to them at lunch Tuesday at 11.30. Well, I could hardly be speaking to them at lunch at 11.30 on Tuesday and be in the studio in front of this microphone or behind it, as the case may be, right in the middle of the live stream. So when folks want you to come speak to them about why you should vote for them and even say, look, we want to donate to your campaign, well, I got to go. And, of course, the plan was to do a few errands before uh, after we got back to uh, Little Rock and then get in here and do the live stream before dinner time. But that didn't quite happen. We went to the bank. We deposited the contributions. We went to the Secretary of State's office, check on the articles of incorporation, found out they had been rejected because we left one word out. Apparently, they have new rules. We set up Doc Washburn for Governor, Inc., as a sole proprietorship, and they're like, yeah, but who's the president? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm the only one in the company, so. Yeah, but you got to put that down. Okay. All right, we'll do that. And we've been working on getting some push cards out, the little handbills and bumper stickers. And, of course, of course, of course, of course, the donate button on the website. We're now several days into our second app to try to get it done because we gave up on the first app Friday night when I finally jumped through all the hoops, uploaded a picture of a voided check from the bank, filled out all kinds of paperwork, and they said, well, we're we're not able to automatically verify some of these numbers here, so we'll have to do a manual verification process. Could take up seven business days. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I don't have time for that. I'm running for governor and need $15,000 for the filing fee. And amazingly, remarkably, miraculously, we're pretty close to that just from people handing us checks and cash and people mailing checks to our P.O. Box number, which is on our website, electdocwashburn.com. 
But we have so many emails from people saying, why won't you let me donate online? And we have so many people saying, well, just let me know when the donate button's ready online because I, I want to help you out there. So, I mean, I was having a conversation with a lady at the bank who's trying to make this happen with the app that the bank uses for this sort of thing, financial contributions online. And she said, well, the, the, the lady in charge of the apps over in Florida, and uh, she's just trying to make sure that you're actually running for governor. And she asked if I had a copy of the filing papers. And this was Monday afternoon. And I said, well, here's the irony. First of all, no one's allowed to file until Tuesday. Second of all, it takes $15,000 to file. You know how much money we got in the bank already. Uh, if we had the app... If we had the donate button working on the website, we would be way past the $15,000 filing fee because all the people want to donate online. And I'd be down there at noon. Well, not noon because I'd still be in Hot Springs. But I'd be down there Tuesday afternoon with everybody else. And then I could send you the filing papers. Well, okay, but can you please at least talk to her on the phone Tuesday morning? Sure, I'll be happy to. Fine. So around 11 o'clock, I'm texting saying, hey, um, I'm getting ready to go into a campaign luncheon meeting. Uh, I haven't heard from Florida, anybody, but, you know, I'll contact you this afternoon. And so Tuesday evening, the, the wonderful lady at the bank who's trying to get the app thing done for us so we can have a donate button online said, well, it says it's in approval, and they sent me some numbers that I'm sending to your web developer. I'm like, okay. Well, that's great. Thank you very much. Somebody just said, wow, you're on late, Doc. Yes, I've been trying to explain why I'm on late. Uh, a, a group in Hot Springs wanted to see me for a luncheon engagement and wanted to make some contributions, and so I had to do that. And so now, finally, I'm getting to do this. Oh, and the other thing is, getting private messages on Facebook from groups of people in Arkansas that want me to come speak to them. And the fact that uh, I'm technologically challenged, and when I put stuff on the calendar, it takes, uh, what do you call Time. Yes, time. So anyway, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to finally have a chance to do Tuesday's live stream, only, only 13 hours late, so it's Wednesday. But you know me. I mean, the show must go on. Know what I'm saying? Now, I got to share something with you. Did you hear the thing about Queen Elizabeth and Ivermectin? Okay. So, there is a, a parody site, a satire site called Babylon B. And they started coming across so much actual real news that they set up a second, a separate website called notthebee.com, which is actual news, okay? So it says, one UK network accidentally featured ivermectin in their coverage of the Queen's recovery from the Rona, and now they're backtracking as fast as humanly possible. So, it says, I absolutely love this tweet from Michael P. Singer. He says, so Queen Elizabeth, age 95, has COVID. Her symptoms are mild and she's still working. This is what they shut down your business, closed schools, muzzled you and your kids, censored you, forced you to take multiple injections, and show your papers to partake in daily life for. Yeah. Wonder if the CEO or anybody in the board of directors of Cumulus Media is aware of this. Nah, I don't think they follow the news. So then it says, yep, the queen has COVID, y'all. And it seems like she's doing just fine, which is great news. But check this out. 
it looks like she might be seeing the same doctor as Joe Rogan. So there's a tweet here embedded in nottobe.com. It's got a little video, a little news video. And it says, pause this at 19 seconds. Leave a comment for what you see below. What the heck? But the great philosopher, Norm MacDonald, used to say, what the H? Anyway, so let's see if we can play it for you. People in the 90s are at significant danger of the bad outcomes of COVID. Dr. Mikesh Heikerwal says a COVID patient the Queen's age should be isolating and might benefit from new medicines currently approved for high-risk patients at Australian hospitals. Wait. I think it's Australian news instead of UK news, but I just paused it at 19 seconds. Let's see what it says. Prescription-only medicine. Keep out of reach of children. Stromectol. Three milligrams. Four tablets each containing three milligrams ivermectin. Dose as directed by your physician. So they're suggesting that Queen Elizabeth took ivermectin. Now, if you're in central Arkansas, please, 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 I beg of you, don't let anyone at UAMS, the University of Arkansas Medical System, know that you heard about this because... I don't want their heads to explode because they insist that this medicine that hundreds of millions of human beings have taken all over the world and the developers of this medicine won a Nobel Prize six or seven years ago for how wonderfully it helped human beings. UAMS insists that's horse-paced. Y'all don't want to take no horse pace, do ye? That's right. A few months ago, UAMS in Little Rock planted a story with all four local television stations, news operations, that ivermectin is dangerous because it's horse paced. Human beings shouldn't be taking horse paced. And so three of the four television stations uncritically accepted the propaganda from the University of Arkansas Medical System, but to his credit, to his credit, to his credit, Bob Clausen, evening news anchor, longtime evening news anchor, veteran evening news anchor at KRK4 said, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute. No, I'm not accepting this. But the other three, three stations were like, well, why would she, we have to research something if UAMS just said it, we'd just, you know, be stenographers for the regime. Yeah, that's the ticket. So this TV station suggests that Queen Elizabeth has taken ivermectin. How about that? So let me go back to not the bee. They say, in case you missed that little shot at 19 seconds, they have a screenshot of it, ivermectin. And they say, yep, a new medicine that, quote, horse dewormer, unquote. Somebody tell CNN. Now, the outlet that featured the clip, Nine Network, immediately apologized. Because how dare they feature a Nobel Prize winning medicine with antiviral properties that has many proponents in the scientific community. A nine spokesperson said the shot of stromectol shouldn't have been included and was the result of human error. The spokesperson said on Tuesday, we did not intend to suggest Dr. Mukesh Hawikarwal endorsed stromectol. We've apologized to him this morning, and he has accepted that apology. We do not suggest the queen is using ivermectin. NotTheBee.com says, hopefully the enlightened masters of the narrative will let them back into their good graces. Yeah, see, you can't challenge 
the narrative. You can't challenge the narrative. So that is just tremendous. That's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that that happened. Now, that having been said, okay, somebody here says, hey, Doc, did you know that KRN will broadcast its final shows on March 20th and that they will cease to exist? Well, no, that is not the case. There's a lot of confusion out there. There is a lot of confusion out there. But I I will click on the link you sent. I'll click on the link you sent. Now, for people outside Central Arkansas who are like, what is a KRN? KRN is the radio station I used to work for. It's owned by Cumulus Media. It's in Little Rock. And it is... um, It's a talk radio station in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, to try to dispel the confusion here, I will actually read the article that you linked to. Now, the title of the article says, Arkansas Radio Network to shut down next month. It doesn't say KRN is going to shut down. It says Arkansas Radio Network. But the article says, After more than a half century of sharing news, sports, and farm market reports over dozens of local stations across the state, the Arkansas Radio Network will be signing off next month. Okay. That's not KRN. That's the Arkansas Radio Network, which has shared news, sports, and farm market reports on over dozens of local stations all over the state for over a half century. Toby Howell, good man, by the way, program director of flagship station KRN-FM 102.9, wrote in an email to 18 affiliate managers dated February 15th that the network will be ending its news and information programming on March 20th. See, he's sending that to affiliates who carry the Arkansas radio network. The subject line of the email, which was obtained by Arkansas Business, was ARN, ARN 30-day notice. Hal did not return phone calls so he could comment. Based at KRN in Little Rock, the network is owned by Cumulus Media, the radio chain that owns the Talk FM station and others in Arkansas, including KAY AM 1090 and KRN AM, known as 920 Sports Animal. Well, they also own a bunch of music stations but that a lot of people listen to, but I, I guess that's not important for this article. <laughs> it's just funny. They mentioned a couple of AMs and not the big FMs. Anyway, in a message beginning, Dear ARN Affiliate, Howell thanks the local stations for the long participation. He wrote, and I quote, For over 50 years, the Arkansas Radio Network has delivered news and information throughout the natural state, and we could not have done that without affiliates like you, unquote. He went on to say that ARN would discontinue its broadcast on March 20 without stating reason. Quote, We have appreciated the opportunity to serve your news and information needs, and we will continue to do so for the next 30 days so that you may transition to a new service, unquote. The email did not reveal the reasoning behind the network's discontinuation. But several insiders and regular listeners said paid advertising has been sparse lately with public service announcements prominent in ad spots. Former Arkansas Radio Network News Director Bob Steele, an Arkansas radio and TV mainstay now doing public relations work at Little Rock Air Force Base said the network had as many as 50 affiliates when he left two years ago. However, KRN has undergone rounds of layoffs since. Steele, a former news director at KTV Channel 7, said, I haven't been there in a couple years, but at the time I was affiliate relations director and it was going well. 
I couldn't really say what the reason was. At the height of the COVID shutdowns in June 2020, Cumulus Media announced it was letting go about 100 workers or 3% of its workforce by August of that year. Okay, wait a minute. That would be like for the whole country. They couldn't let go 100 workers in Little Rock because they didn't have that many. Anyway, at the time, the company cited a loss of advertising associated with the pandemic. Cumulus Media, based in Atlanta, has 406 owned and operated radio stations across 86 American markets. According to its website, it features sports programming for the NFL, NCAA, Masters Golf Tournament, the Academy of Country Music, blah, 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 blah. The Arkansas Radio Network, also owned by Cumulus, had a start in 1967 as the Delta Farm Network, an early morning program by popular KARK-FM Farm News Director Bob Boyce, I know I'm mispronouncing his name, who also appeared on Channel 4. And it goes on and on and on into the, uh, the, the history. But the idea here is that Cumulus Media has something called the Arkansas Radio Network, which provides news, sports, and farm market reports to small market radio stations all over Arkansas, and it's going off the air March 30th, and it will not in any way affect the actual radio station, News Radio 1029 KRN, which I was on. I mean, you don't turn off a 50,000-watt FM radio station in a top 100 market. You might change the format which I seriously doubt they will do. But you don't just turn off a 50,000-watt FM radio station in the top 100 market. Um, but Arkansas Radio Network, yeah, you, you turn that off. If you're not selling enough commercials, it's just, see ya! But, so a radio network is different than a radio station. I hope that clarifies things. Look, you, you know by now, probably, if you listen to the show for a while, I'm not the sharpest knife in the firmament. I'm not the brightest bulb in the drawer. You know what I'm saying? So, but I hope that helped because I had a friend texting me earlier in the evening telling me the same thing. Do you know KRN's going off the air? I'm like, nope. Well, I'm looking at this thing right here. And he sent me the link. And it was even more confusing than the link that this lady sent me from Arkansas Business. It was something from Inside Radio which said Arkansas Radio Network going off the air, but they had the big logo of 1029 KRN. And so he thought that meant the radio station was going off the air. Anyway, it's just one of those things. I hope that clarified things. But sometimes I'm reminded of what they say about the Americans and the British. You ever heard this one? The British and the Americans are two people separated by a common language. Ah-ha-ha-ha! It's like, you know, I mean, people misunderstand each other. So, you know, happens. Anyway. So let me uh, mention to you, speaking of advertisers, I mean, I probably have more advertisers than the Arkansas Radio Network right now, and I'm thankful for them. And, of course, the views and opinions expressed in the Doc Washington Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but we love them and they love us. So that's pretty good. Now, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. Now, if you're in central Arkansas, as always, you can go to one of their dealerships. But if you're outside the central Arkansas area, you can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. And boy, that's how it was for me. You know, my uh, 2012 Camry was rear-ended on Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock 
back in December. And yesterday, I went to Red River, uh, one of their dealerships in Cabot, Arkansas, and bought a 2013 Honda Accord. And I'm telling you, my wife and I are so happy with it, and we got a great deal. Anyway, but I digress. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button. Clicking that guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payments work best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. And I'm here to tell you, again, if you're in central Arkansas, Red River Your Way also makes buying the car in person easy. I've never, never bought a car that quickly, never dealt with a car dealership where everybody was as nice as they were. It was just fantastic. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. You want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online for the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy it online if you want, or show up at the dealership either way. And the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, now, let me ask you, or as we say in southern Alabama, let me ask you, you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Well, let me tell you, if you answer yes to any of those questions, there's a website you need to check out. And it is called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, big, bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays, and a big red button that says schedule, call now. So you click on that big red button, which allows you to book a free consultation with my buddy, Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. And he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage doesn't force you to cover horrible things like abortion, like some of those Obamacare plans. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. Big red button. Schedule call now. You get the free consultation with Art Wilborn. Make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You will be glad that you did. All right. That having been said, I got to share something with you. I got to share something with you. Now, whistleblowers are starting to come out. The UK Daily Mail article here, the title Ministers have used propagandistic tactics to scare public into complying with COVID rules, founder of Number 10's nudge unit claims. Now, let me explain to you. I told you a few minutes ago, Americans and British are two people separated by common language, right? When the English, the British, the people who live in the UK use the word ministers They're not talking about pastors. They're not talking about preachers. They're talking about people in the government. 
right? Like, let's see, what would be a analogous term in the U.S.? Like your Secretary of State, your Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Health and Human Services, especially Secretary of Health and Human Services. So here's what the uh, UK Daily Mail says. And by the way, number 10, that stands for number 10 Downing Street. That's where the UK Prime Minister lives, Boris Johnson. So when they say number 10 in the UK, that's like saying the White House in the U.S., Again, the Brits and the Americans, two people separated by common language. I got I to, you know, I got to tell you what they're talking about. Anyway, so the co-founder of Number 10's nudge unit, I guess they're trying to nudge people to get the vaccine, has accused the government of using scare taxes to get people to follow COVID rules during the pandemic. Behavioral scientist Simon Ruda suggested there had been an overemphasis on modeling and data that he warned was propagandistic. Writing in the magazine Unheard, and this is in January of this year, he said fear was initially used to boost public compliance during the first lockdown, but had been carried right through the crisis. Mr. Ruda, who helped set up Number 10's behavioral insights team way back in 2010, was quoted as saying that fear seems to have subsequently driven policy decisions in a worrying feedback loop. In my mind, the most egregious and far-reaching mistake made in responding to the pandemic has been the level of fear willingly conveyed on the public. So this group, which was launched when David Cameron was still the Prime Minister of the UK, was responsible for positively influencing behavior with tiny changes without introducing legislation. And previous successes, including boosting diversity in the police force, helping the job center get more people off benefits, and increasing the number of organ donors. But... Mr. Ruta warned deploying nudge tactics during the pandemic may have amounted to what he called state-sanctioned propaganda. You think? He said again, quoting now, Behavioral science was conceived as a means of recognizing and correcting the biases that led humans to make non-rational decisions. But it's not obvious to me that the trade-offs many governments are making in their responses to the pandemic are grounded in utilitarian rationality, unquote. So government ministers have been criticized for putting too much stock in worst-case COVID scenarios from modeling by its advisors. The UK government has used these projections of cases and deaths to justify restrictive measures to the public, or to encourage people to change their behaviors. One of the more recent models warned of 6,000 daily COVID deaths and 10,000 hospitalizations this winter in a pessimistic scenario. In reality, there are just 250 deaths per day now, around half of a bad flu year, and 2,000 hospital admissions. Number 10's chief modeler has previously said the committee does not consider optimistic scenarios because, quote, that doesn't get decisions made, unquote. While no new restrictions were brought in in England, people were told to cancel their Christmas parties and prioritize who they met. Yeah, see, see, it's just a bunch of propaganda. No, no. The disease is real. I had it a few weeks ago. It wasn't any fun at all. The disease is real. But the way they're dealing with it is propagandistic. So I agree with the young man. The disease is real. 
So, going from that to this, Steve Kirsch, independent journalist over on the Substack, has this new article. He says, the article is entitled, How Rare Are Vaccine Side Effects? Not very rare at all. Subtitled, the CDC and Wall Street Journal both say serious side effects from the COVID vaccines are extremely rare. They are lying, but now we have unassailable proof from the Israeli government. Okay. Mr. Kirsch says this article by Wall Street Journal staff writer Jenny Strasberg, and he links to it. It's titled, COVID-19 vaccines were deadly in rare cases. Governments are now weighing compensation. Her article, Wall Street Journal, says, Serious side effects so far have been very rare, estimated roughly 1 to 11 per 100,000 doses for some of the more serious harmful reactions identified by regulators in the most affected age groups, according to U.S. and European government officials and researchers. They include blood clotting, nervous system disorders, and heart problems, all of which also can be caused by COVID itself. Similarly, a story in the Epoch Times entitled U.S. Agencies Quietly Studying Reports of Post-Vaccination Neurological Issues also revealed that there are some side effects and they are really rare, but the CDC is studying them. That article says the CDC lists only one adverse event as likely having a causal relationship with a vaccine. That's TTS and the Johnson & Johnson shot. So Steve Kirch says, the CDC and the Wall Street Journal are both lying to you, big time. The truth is the vaccines are an unmitigated disaster, the most dangerous vaccines in human history. They should be immediately halted. But the mainstream media is completely silent and totally ignored this study because it goes against the narrative. Here's the proof. Right from the Israeli Ministry of Health. The latest proof of that comes from the Israeli Ministry of Health, who did something that no government agency has ever done before. They actually did a proactive survey of people who got the booster instead of using a passive surveillance system like everyone else does. Is the only way to get true rate data since you know the denominator. The reason no government ever did this before is because they knew it would show the vaccines were a disaster. So if they never looked, they can plausibly say, we had no idea. Obviously, obviously something went wrong, and the government of Israel did a proactive survey something all governments in the world should have done at the very start of the vaccination program. For passive surveillance, you're always estimating under-reporting factors. For active surveillance, no estimates are required. You see the real data. The only thing you don't get is death data because dead people don't answer their phone. In this case, 2,068 people provided answers. Could it be biased? Yup. The results, at worst, could be overstated by a factor of two. And even with that fudge factor, it doesn't matter because the rates are off the charts. Here's the original report, which you can download from the MOH Telegram channel. I wonder what MOH stands for. Well, let's find out here. Well, I don't know, because it's all written in uh, Hebrew. Anyway, as a screenshot in case they remove it. He says to get the translated report, just go to this article, click the Read Now button, and it will download the PDF, and it is a quick read. All right, let's take a look at it. Translated Israeli MOH survey of reported adverse events after the third Pfizer vaccine shot for COVID-19. Boy, it is a quick read. This report was released February 10th, 2022. This translation was done by dedicated volunteers. We apologize for any imperfections you may find 
Please refer to the original Hebrew document at the bottom in case of doubt. I can't read Hebrew. Safe and effective, you'll be the judge. Oh, and then it has something you're supposed to click on. Oh, and it's a PDF, I guess. No, that's not a quick read. It's 52 pages. So, sorry, we can't do that right now. But we'll go back to the original article. We'll go back to the original article. All right. Oh, you mean the original article that actually accidentally closed? Yeah, that one. The original article that you accidentally closed. Well, let's scroll down and get it from the Twitter again. What you know when you get really tired and sleepy sometimes sometimes you goof up yes you do sometimes you goof up when you get really tired and sleepy i want to go back to the well we we'll just i tell you what just click on history and get the steve kerr substack yeah that's what i want man that's what i'm talking about I want the Steve Kirsch substack. Let's see. Yep, there it is. All right, thank you, history. He says, for the info behind the study, read this excellent article by Josh Gutzkow. Okay, don't have time for that. We're busy reading your excellent article. But here are the highlights of the Israeli report. Okay, First of all, 0.3% of people reported hospitalization as a result of the adverse event they experienced. 4.5% of respondents, people who got vaccinated and the, and the booster, reported neurological problems. Nearly 10% of women under the age of 54 had disruptions to their menstrual cycle. About 25% of people with pre-existing autoimmune disorders depression or anxiety, reported a worsening of their symptoms following the booster. So Steve Kirsch says, I have a great first-hand data point on neuro issues. He says, I know a neurologist group with 20,000 patients. About 1,000 have new or worsened neurological issues after vaccination. So this is a 5% rate versus the 4.5% in the study. So that's quick Sanity check. Okay? More evidence of side effect rates that are off the charts. And he clicks to this link from healthimpactnews.com entitled 68,000% increase in strokes as FDA and NIH secretly study reports of neurological injuries after COVID-19 vaccines. Okay, that's messed up. Then he says, we have a better option, a better option. A recent paper on ivermectin shows that ivermectin was far more effective than the vaccine in preventing death. Oh, I know that. Pierre Corey, my man, Pierre Corey, one of the frontline doctors, recent paper on that. The effect was so strong that the vaccine was a rounding error. I'll be writing more about that tomorrow. In general, early treatment protocols are the way to go. They always have been. But the CDC is never going to endorse early treatment protocols. Fareed and Tyson have treated 10,000 COVID cases with no deaths as long as the patients promptly showed up for treatment and took the drugs they were given. Zero deaths. That's why the CDC ignores it. The pandemic would be over. So Jamal Edwards is dead at 31. Have you noticed? There sure are a lot of people, young young people, dropping dead lately. The causes of death are always murky. The vaccination status is never mentioned. The autopsies are rarely done, and when they are done, they're typically not done by anyone who knows how to assess a vaccine death. We never hear from the embalmers either. We just let people die and not ask any questions. Result, more people die, and we simply do not want to know the cause of death. Summary. The vaccines should be stopped now. 
The Israeli MOH study is just another nail in the coffin for the vaccine. It shows the vaccines are not safe and should be stopped immediately. The Israeli MOH study confirms numerous other data points, doctor event reporting rates, vaccine adverse events reporting system, the DMED system, life insurance company data, telltale blood clots, huge vaccine victim Facebook groups, the Peter Schumacher study, and a military doctor who's seeing a 1 in 100 rate of myocarditis post-vaccine. And that's it. From Steve Kirch's newsletter on Substack. You know, that reminds me, that reminds me of something I, I didn't get to the other day, which I need to. A guy named Alex Washburn. He has an E on the end of his name, so... If he's a, if he's a relative, it's a, it'd be a very distant relative. Yeah, you're not gonna believe this. I got to get to this in a second. But but first, but first, but first, but first, let me do this. We're so thankful, so thankful for our advertisers. I'll tell you about my buddy Justin Minton, M I N T O N Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas. That is. Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations, and he sure helped me out. When I was in two automobile accidents in 2019 and then a third one in December of 2021. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So, whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck or on the job, or you're a loved one who's suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195. Minton in Benton, M-I-N-T-O-N. Or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, now, let me tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. You got migraines? You got neck pain, you got back pain, you got vertigo, you got blood sugar issues. Okay, look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you leaning to one side or the other? If the answer to any of these is yes, you probably need to give your atlas adjustment because it shouldn't be like that. Okay? Getting my atlas adjusted is how I got rid of my migraines and neck pain. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. That's the start. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column could get kinked up like a chain Restricting your central nervous system ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to do. And that can affect your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your reproductive system. Yes, even your digestive system. And it also can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar even. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501 279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or if you're outside, if you're outside central Arkansas and you're like, man, I think I might need to get this too, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. You will be glad you did. All right. Now, before I get to the uh, Alex Washburn thread, 
I need to share something with you. And it goes something like this. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Brian Coolis. Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. It's one of those double-deckers. It begins with Jonathan Turley, law professor, and he's got the... Um, He's got a little thread here with a New York Post story. New York Post story. Entitled, Ex-Girlfriend Tells Hunter Biden Grand Jury About Lavish Spending. And Professor Turley says, For years, President Biden and a united media front had dismissed or downplayed allegations against Hunter Biden on influence peddling and possible tax violations is getting more and more difficult to spin out of this scandal For a so-called non-story, there's a curious line of people giving testimony before a grand jury on Hunter Biden's spending habits. Once again, I fail to see how Attorney General Merrick Garland has not appointed a special counsel given the references to President Biden's own finances in some of these accounts. Oh, I see. It's because Merrick Garland is taking one for the team. It's because he's not legit. It's because he's corrupt. It's because he's owned lock, stock, and barrel, just like Dementia Joe and Hunter are. Come on. Come on, Professor Turley. Are you kidding me? All right, now, today's tweet of the day brought to you by Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA who believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy your car, truck, van, or SUV, online the way you want to and have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. Today's tweet of the day brought to you by them is from Kurt Schlichter, the great retired colonel, the great attorney, Kurt Schlichter. I've interviewed him before. He says, I think we should send Americans to die to defend the people paying Hunter a million dollars a year. Uh, see, he's being sarcastic. He's being sarcastic. So, I thought that was pretty good. All right, now, thank you, Red River Your Way, for sponsoring that tweet of the day. Now, let me get over to Alex Washburn's thread over here. It's kind of long, but I think it's worth it. He says, before 2021, I was very eager and willing to help the CDC maintain its reputation He says, I provided forecasts privately with no need for credit and withheld findings that contradicted their guidelines. Now I'm realizing my loyalty lies with something larger than any institution. My loyalty lies with science. The open, honest, and endless pursuit of answers. My loyalty lies with civilization, our ability to innovate and adapt to preserve life on earth, man, and nature. He says, my loyalty lies with every person on the planet and their dignity. When an institution like the CDC refuses to release data, it undermines the dignity of the people it serves. It undermines our ability to adapt and innovate, to discuss policy in light of the latest. It undermines our open, honest, and endless pursuit of answers. When an institution fills with unelected appointees, with upbringings and pedigrees concentrated in the Northeast Corridor and then gives guidelines that look like policy and regulations, despite this being a non-regulatory agency, it undermines our social contract. We can improve our science and the way epidemiology functions in our civilization However, I now believe that doing so requires closing down some of the old and stale institutions that haven't kept up with the times. From peer review to centralized disease control, let's innovate. Innovate, not renovate. Our science is an old and stale institution and an anachronistic 
hierarchical model from the era of British colonialism and printing presses, crawling sluggishly in the pluralistic world of the 21st century. Professors, our best and brightest minds who commit to an academic institution spend countless hours formatting papers for press, writing endless grants and grading papers. The human capital costs of this inefficiency are exorbitant, showing revolutionary, pardon me, slowing revolutionary innovations. Publishing a paper still requires getting past an editor's desk, and ultimately, editorial decisions are aesthetic ones that reinforce style and prestige. Editors are not equipped to determine if an idea out of left field is a revolutionary overhaul of an existing paradigm. Rather, editors approve papers disproportionately if the authors are famous or come from famous institutions that bolsters the prestige of the journal and may be less inclined to publish revolutionary ideas. Peer reviewers are similarly imprisoned by paradigms. Peer review requires a majority to agree to publish a paper, but what if the majority is wrong? There's an incredible friction on the sharing of scientific ideas, friction that disfavors revolutionary ideas from unknown scientists and favors pylons from the powerful and famous. Did you know this? I didn't know it, but obviously it has a ring of truth. You know it's true. All of this now points to the CDC, which gets its guidelines from this same ideologically based or ideologically inbred scientific pool of ideas. Now, the CDC directors from Harvard and I guess there are numerous others from Harvard within one degree of separation from her in the CDC. Formerly, the CDC is a non-regulatory agency. Its only real powers are funding science, posting information, and consulting the Surgeon General and Secretary of Health on quarantines for imported diseases or diseases transported across state lines. You know, like the Internet No, the Interstate Commerce Clause. Informally, the CDC guidelines read like regulations, and this causes confusion because such mirages of regulations presented by a federal agency create doubt about the real regulatory landscape and who exactly has powers to decide what. If I show up to a party impersonating a police officer, I create confusion. And in fact, I'd be breaking the law because it's critical to never confuse people who is and isn't responsible for the law. CDC can avoid all this by never posting guidelines that look like regulations. Post so-called guidelines on how transmission happens and when. Publish viremia curves and error bars. Show us secondary attack rates with and without masks Then, tell people who is actually responsible for public health policy, their governors and county public health officials. Our scientific ecosystem is stale, sluggish, and favors incumbents over innovators. The science informs the CDC guidelines, and these scientists become the CDC scientists. If your loyalty is to science, civilization, and people... We ought to rethink this ecosystem entirely. Imagine what a 21st century so-called scientific medium could look like. With no editors to desk reject revolutionary ideas, with crappy peer reviews seen by others as such, and never being able to reject a minority's ideas outright, but only to debate openly for all to see. Imagine what a 21st century network for public health could look like if we abandoned the illusion of centralized disease control. Imagine if we facilitated local engagement at the scale of transmission. their schools, bars, gyms, not international war zones like Twitter. 
Imagine what we could do for humanity and health if we saw our loyalty to something larger than antiquated institutions like academia and the CDC. We have the infrastructure to consider distributed models of publications, public health, science funding, and more. We no longer need a single center of three journals that share our work. Such centralization of science and public health is a liability. It reduces the diversity of ideas while simultaneously increasing the scale at which ideas are supposed to have an effect. Centralization of scientific thought and disease control results in prioritizing a few institutions and authors, overselling results to claim they apply always to massive global-scale phenomena and creating globally optimal policies that are suboptimal in every locale. He concludes, we can do so much better. Imagine what we would, we would create if suddenly tomorrow all of these institutions vanished and we had to create a new framework for science and public health policy. He says, that's where I am. That's why my allegiance is not to the CDC, but to something greater. Well, that's beautiful. Cousin Alex Washburn over there on the Twitters. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. Now, the great Elijah Schaefer, TV and podcast host of Blaze TV, he says, I know it's hard to accept, but they intentionally killed a lot of people strategically by ordering ventilators, using deadly medication, and preventing people from life-saving drug cocktails. They literally engineered the whole thing. It's not what you think. It was all manufactured. Then they pushed vaccines that don't work for profit and control. The end goal was a global vaccine passport. That's what they want. Like in Canada, you can't work or bank without complying. Yet people still think the scandemic was random and not fully executed according to plan. The fact that the elites didn't die, there was a reason for that. There's a reason for that. The elites didn't die for a reason. I tell you what, there are a lot of people out there thinking, you know. There are a lot of people out there thinking and making sense. Oh, by the way, pardon me, i got to get some H2O. Also breaking news, Governor of Texas Greg Abbott declares transgender drugs and surgeries are child abuse and orders investigations. Well, he should have just done an executive order outlawing them because they are child abuse. But at least he's doing 100% better than the governor of Arkansas has been doing. Governor Asa Hutchinson, the one that um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, my uh, opponent for the Republican nomination of governor, says he's done a great job. Hutchinson vetoed a bill that would have made sterilizing children against the law. Just so you know. Just so you know. But Sarah says he's been doing a great job, so... I guess that's why if you're in Arkansas, you should be voting for me in the gubernatorial primary. So that would be good. All right, all that having been said, I appreciate so many people. Oh, okay, here's a comment. So many people listening live this late in the evening. Here's a comment on the Podbean app. It says, Doc, Hunter's baby mama in Arkansas isn't a stripper. She worked for him, and that was a rumor that got started. I heard an interview from her attorney. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, that's probably the interview you heard here on the Doc Washburn Show. Because I did interview her attorney, Clinton Lancaster, 
a few weeks ago. And he said, she was never a stripper. And I don't talk to media outlets who claim that she was. She was personal assistant. You know, she was on the payroll. True. Uh, somebody else uh, responding to the, um, the thread I just read from uh, Cousin Alex Washburn about how out of date the CDC and the idea of peer-reviewed papers are. Somebody said, Doc, uh, my local volunteer fire department could have handled the response better than the CDC did. No joke. I believe you're correct, sir. I believe you're correct, sir. Someone else said they inflate unvaccinated numbers by lumping in unverified or unknown vax status. I have no respect for their record keeping. Oh, I don't either. I mean, it's on my website, you know, day one, day one. You like me, Governor. Day one, I'm firing the director of the state health department and the surgeon general. Because our hospitals have been killing people by not giving therapeutics for COVID, and these two guys didn't lift a finger to stop it. Know what I'm saying? That's the dealio. I ain't gonna lie, fam. All right, that having been said, you've been listening to the 93rd episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour, Sempier the Tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022.